welcome. We're going to just start, and they're just going to miss it. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor David, Dan, Ava, everybody's back safely. Michelle is back safely from Florida. We are thankful to that and really, really excited. There we go. Now everybody's hustling in. It's giving me deja vu to my teacher days. Where were you? The bell rang a minute ago. Um, so they are back. We thank the Lord for that, and we're going to be getting an update on Sunday. Um, so excited to just hear the praise report and just testimony of everything the Lord did there and the answers to our prayers. So excited for that. And just charging you, please be in prayer for everything that took place while they were there. Be in prayer for the conversations that were had. Be in prayer for the teachings. Uh, be in prayer for what was learned. Be in prayer for the memories that they can be held, that as they go on, they can look back and remember that. It could be years from now where a trial or tribulation comes and they remember that conference. They remember being built up and it just strengthens them and keeps them rooted on running that race and going onwards. Um, continue to be in prayer just again for you know God's wisdom. And discernment for how we as a body of believers continue to have our hands in ministry um, in different areas and just be praying for salvation here locally, be praying for salvation there, be praying for salvation in Israel. Theme here, pray for salvation. Because when we think about the reality of life, when we think about our world, when we think about everything, there really is only one eternal hope, Jesus. And, and as we continue to go through the Psalms, we just see that more and more and more again, and we're going to be reminded of that again tonight. So just that, that urge to just pray for that. So let's open up with prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this night, Lord. Thank you for this time that we can come in your word, that we can seek to commune with you, Lord, to know you deeper, Heavenly Father. Lord, we give you praise for the work that you did in Tunisia, Lord. And we are just eager to hear the testimonies, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we lift up every single second of that trip, Lord. That everything that you need to go forth from the seeds that were planted would take place, Heavenly Father. And I just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit that dwells within those pastors and the believers that were ministered to, Lord, that you would bring to remembrance what needs to come to remembrance in the perfect timing as they journey on, continuing to run the race for your glory, Lord. And Heavenly Father, pray for salvation. There, Lord, pray for salvation here, for people to just come to know you, Jesus, to have their name written in the book of life and to know that they know where they will be and who they will be with forever. Lord, thank you for this time right now that we can dwell in your word. Be with us as we continue to journey on in the book of Psalms, Lord, and help us to prayerfully explore our prayer lives, our worship lives, Lord, and to just seek how to know you better. Seek how to run the race better. And Lord, I pray that you spark that fire of boldness to just point people to you. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. So last week we were in Psalm 27 and we truly got to see um, just such a, a tender and beautiful text and the ending, um, that song, I still have to send out the song that we played at the end of last week. I will send that this evening. I forgot to do that. Forgive me. Um, but going to send that out so that um, you can just have it again. It, uh, for those who weren't here, it was just, it went through the whole text of the psalm. And it was a precious moment to just see the presence. Talk about the verse four of this. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I uh, will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And I felt like that was a little moment um, at the end where we just got to do that. 
just to be in his presence. Um, And that verse that we look at, that fourth verse of this psalm, truly praying for that to be your one desire. Truly praying for that to be that desire to have that unity, that intimacy with our king. That it's just you and him and being in his presence, his glory, that being enough. And again, amidst our times with social media, with our fast-paced culture, with go, 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 do, 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 I want to remind you, slow down and take that time to be still before our God. Take that time to rest in his presence. Take that time to just slow down and seek to be in his presence, to seek his glory alone. Really take it. So charge check-in. From last week, um, that last verse of this, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The third part of the charge last week was to memorize that. Do we have it memorized? Do we write it on our hearts? Again, encouraging us, engage with the word of God, write it on your heart. Psalm 119 tells us to do it, that we don't sin against him. Write the word of God on your heart, that it can be what you live by. So truly, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. When we think of what we carry in our heart, that's a huge blessing and promise that enables us to wait, I say, on the Lord. The first part of the charge was, what is your one desire? And we, hopefully you took the time over this last week to get real and pray, Lord, what is my real one desire? We talked about last week, if the Lord came and said, I'm going to give you whatever you want right now, what would it be? Would your answer be, I just want to dwell in your presence forever? Is that enough? So what would that be? And two, how is your discipline of being silent in the presence of God? Did you take time over this last week to go before the Lord and just say, I want to just be in your presence. Search my heart. Speak to me. Fill me with your spirit anew. Did you take the time to do that? And if you didn't, do it. And if you did, keep doing it. Make it a discipline. Silence before our Lord. Writing his word on our hearts. Tonight we're going onwards to Psalm 22. And the title of tonight's message is Heard. And not heard like a herd of cows, but heard, have you heard? H-E-A-R-D. And Psalm 28, yes. Psalm 28. And when we... Think of that, a question I just asked. Do you believe that God hears your prayers? Do you believe that God hears your cries? Do you believe in God's steadfast faithfulness? Looking at who's here, I'm pretty confident everybody would say yes. And I'm also pretty confident that many of us would say there are those moments where you can feel as though, is God really listening? Or you can feel as though, I'm anchored in the faith, but Lord, do you hear me right now? And we have to always, even though we might feel that, know he does hear. God hears us. God knows us. He knows those that are called his and that are covered by his blood. We know his faithfulness through the communion that we have with him. And that's why it's so important to continually remind ourselves, anchor in his word. Seek communion with his spirit and let his spirit teach you more about his faithfulness. Let his spirit bring you into deeper and deeper and deeper intimacy with the great I am. 
Now, Psalm 28, we're going to see, is another lament psalm of David. David writes this yet again. We see David in a time of distress, in a time of trouble, in a time saying, deliver me from my enemies. Now, the exact timing, we don't know. Some want to say that it might have been right before everything went down with Absalom, his son. When I see what goes down and how he prays about the wicked, I don't know personally if that's the exact timing that that would be. But we don't know the exact timing. But we do know something. It's important to remind us as we look at the life of prayer and worship that David has. Chaos comes, he turns to God. Distress comes, he turns to God. Trouble comes, he turns to God. Is God your default? Is prayer your default? We've talked about that a few times as we go through Psalms. Build that discipline, prayer is my default. Within this Psalm, David's going to seek deliverance from God amidst his enemies. Within this Psalm, David's going to assure himself with stated confidence that God's going to judge his enemies And that's going to be also a hint of prophecy towards that judgment to come the day that every knee will bow. David's going to offer in this psalm public praise unto God. And in that public praise, he's assured by the fact that God is, God will answer his prayer. Because he knows he is heard by the mighty one. We're going to see David then also at the end of this offer petition for the Lord to save Israel. It's a prayer of distress turned into a song of praise. And David's prayer life, when you look at it, it it, it reminds us, look to God. Look to who he is. Look to his faithfulness. Look to his character. And when you actually do that, there's only one response. Praise his name. There's truly only one response. Praise you, Lord. So you have to ask yourself, what is your prayer and praise life like? When the distress and the storms come, do you give in? Do you give up? Or do you go in to the throne room of prayer with the mercy and grace he promises? Remember what we see, and this is a verse I I bring up a few times, Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's who we go to. And as we look at this psalm, we have to remember David's going to God. We have God the Son, the Son of God, Jesus, the mediator. One mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus that we go to. David in this psalm and throughout many of the psalms that we looked at and we're going to is going to remind us how to pray and praise and how to patiently trust on our God. This psalm itself is only nine verses, but there's so much to glean, and it's the power of the word of God. And I, I, I think of Jude men, which we went through. I think of Jonah. I think of all these different passages and books that we can look at, and I just... I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, do you ever stop to think of how much God's revealed in his word? We're going to look at nine verses tonight, and there's going to be so much of his character, of his faithfulness, of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his goodness, of his long-suffering, that we're going to see in just nine verses. That I just implore you to really realize 
the book you hold in your hand or the book you're reading on your screen is the most valuable physical thing you can ever have. It is truly the most valuable physical thing we can have, the Word of God. And if you haven't gotten a Valentine's gift for someone, get them a Bible. It's a great gift. It's the most valuable thing you can get them. So let's dig in. Verse 1. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. It's been said before that God's delays are not God's denials. And at times when God is not answering right away or thinking, we're just like, okay, it's a no, or it's this or that. We don't know how to wait. And I think the enemy has a field day in our culture. I talked about this with the men last night. We don't know how to wait. You send a message to somebody, if you don't hear back quickly, why aren't they? Are they mad at me? Did I do something wrong? What's going on? Why am I not getting that answer? Now I'll text them. Now I'll email. Now I'll call. Why aren't they answering? Why is this taking so long? We don't know how to wait. We've lost that skill. David's been praying fervently, and he feels that his prayers in that moment, God's not answering. And we have to remember something. Just because we can feel or observe that there's no answer from God, it doesn't change the fact he is God. It doesn't change the fact he is the rock. So he says, to you, I will cry. O Lord, that O that we've talked about, that covenant name, my rock. That's where he starts. David cries to one alone, God. Even when he feels that he's not being heard by him, guess who he's going to? He's saying, to you alone. You're the only one that I'm going to go to. If you remember Psalms that we've looked at before, this feeling of feeling as though he's not hearing from God. It's not something that he hasn't felt before. Psalm 13, 1. How long, O Lord, that same O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 22, 1, that beautiful prophetic psalm of our shepherd dying for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? He's felt this before. But in that feeling of despair, in that feeling of hopelessness, he's consistent. He goes to one because he knows there's only one rock. There's only one deliverer to go to. And then he says, do not be silent to me. Speak, Lord. Lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. That's imagery when we see that down to the pit of death. Because if God is silent, death comes. Because guess what? He knows there is only one deliverer. There is one deliverer alone. And we think of the previous psalm we looked at, that desire that he has, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord, inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. There's that rock again. David knows who he is. David knows the intimacy with him alone. Which is why he has that, don't be silent. I don't want to be like those who go down to the pit. Is the Lord your only hope? That's something we have to ask because culture, what we do, how we get through everything, is it true that God's your only hope? Think about if you go to a bookstore today, more so even than when I was growing up, you go in there, you can find a lot of things on self-help. 
You can find a lot of things on how to live your best life now. And you get on social media, you can go on TikTok, you can get a lot of people that'll say, I'm going to give you the way to be stable. Do this. I'm going to give you the way to peace. I'm going to give you the way to this. And they usually are out in nice scenery parts and they look all great. And you're like, I want that. This is what I want. David in this one verse, guess what? He's revealed the secret to stability. There's a secret to stability. And there's one secret. God. The secret to stability. Knowing the deliverer. God. And in that, we have to think about that fact. Do you have that plan B that you're thinking of? Do you leave that door? You know, I'm praying. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm trusting. But I'm going to leave this door a little bit open so I have that option if it doesn't work I have a second means to deliver myself because I'm not trusting in the one deliverer and we need to continually have the Lord search our hearts on that that's got to be the reality there's one deliverer alone verse 2 he goes on now and as we know when we looked at Psalms the different uh, literary elements he's going to use repetition and parallelism right now to get the same point across Hear the voice of my supplications, his humble plea, when I cry to you. Again, those cries going to one alone, God. When I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Now, when we look at this, this is one of those moments where David is giving us a lens into the posture physically of his body to the Lord in prayer. When I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Sanctuary, And that would be a posture within the culture at that time, the lifting of hands expectantly waiting to receive the blessing from the Lord. Now, when you see your holy sanctuary, some scholars will try to say, okay, if he's saying that, then it can't really be David that wrote this psalm. See, the Bible's wrong. Now, we got to be clear. He's talking the tabernacle would be present. There would be that place to go before him. And when we look at that and we get past the debate that people want to do, because that's the mojo, always want to find a way to say it. It's not real. It is. Now be quiet. When we go with this, then we have to ask ourselves, what is your posture of prayer? What's your posture of prayer and praise? Because in our culture, you find more and more Intimacy with the Lord, relationship with the Lord can get really casual. I'm really sleepy, so I'm just going to lay down in bed and I'll just start praying. You know, do you pray? Oh, yeah, I pray all the time as I fall asleep. Okay. (laughs) What's your posture of prayer? Now, to be clear, I'm not saying, okay, everyone, as we pray, get on your knees right now. No, but when you're praying, when you're going to the Lord, when you're worshiping him, what is the posture first of your heart? We've looked at that already in the Psalms. Is the posture of your heart submission? Is the posture of your heart reverent awe? And then I ask you to think about the posture of your physical body. Think about that posture when you go to him in prayer. When you go to prayer, when you go to praise. If someone sees your body, do they see humility? Do they see openness? Do they see surrender? Or is it fear? Is it cut off? Is it laziness? Is it routine? What's your posture in prayer? Do you bow your head? Do you get on your knees sometimes? Do you lay on the ground? Whatever it may be, I just encourage us as we look at this, when I lift my hands 
towards your holy sanctuary. For us with the whole counsel of the word of God, the spirit of Christ dwells within us. Do you lift your hands to be reminded of his grace, of his goodness, of his faithfulness to say, Father, fill me afresh with your spirit. Fill me. What is the posture that you have? Verse 3. He's now going to shift. He's going to his cry. He's going to his plead. And now he's going to look and speak about those who are coming for him. And he often does this. As we go through the Psalms, we see this time and time again. He kind of goes before the Lord. Oh, Lord, help. Now, let me tell you about these people. And that's a reminder to us also. Again, we get to see so much as we look at David's consistency. Bring what you're thinking to the Lord. Because we far too often turn it into something and it's tied to where we just were looking at judging uh, in, in the Gospel of John. We far too often will get there and then it's like, let me tell you about so-and-so. Blah, 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 blah. And then you get and you just yakety-yak about whatever or whoever. Rather than going to the Lord. Lord, I need you. Lord, my enemies are coming after me. Lord, I feel oppressed and attacked. Lord, I feel as though my family doesn't get me, Lord. I need you, Jesus. Go to him. Now we see here a unique encounter of what he says of his enemies as we go through. Let's read verses 3 through 5 and then we'll break it down. Do not take me away from the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors but evil is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. So he starts this first by saying, because there's other Psalms where we look at where he kind of goes in. We saw it even last week where he starts to talk about how they're coming for him. They're going to gnash him with teeth. They're going to do this. In this case, he starts by just saying, do not take me away with the wicked. It's a call from him. God, keep me separate from these wicked ones. And when we look at these wicked ones, these workers of iniquities, he gives details on them. They speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. The outward looks great, but the inward is evil. This is the heart that's fully rejecting all the things of God. The heart that wants nothing to do with God. And in this psalm, we see that evil heart that's going to be juxtaposed with David's faithful, trusting, and rejoicing heart in a few verses. But in here, he's saying, keep me separate from that. Do you pray to be kept from the fall? Of those around you. We know we have where we are in eternity. But do you pray in the world that we're in, in the wickedness. Lord please keep me from the path that they're going on. I pray and wish that the church. The greater church of today prays that more. When I see the level of compromise on the word of God taking place. And you hear the things people experience or see. As the pulpit becomes a vessel to go with the tides of culture. Rather than remain a place anchored on the word of God alone. So we have to have that prayer. Lord, keep me separate from that. Please, Heavenly Father. Give to them, then he says in verse 4, according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve. Now, this is not a permission to then pray doom on people. Lord, get them. Hit them down, Lord. I want you to really punish them. No. 
This is not malicious. David is resting in God's perfect justice. He knows judgment's going to come. This is that moment where we can see that almost prophecy of what is to come with judgment. And he's saying, give to them what they deserve. God, you give it to them. God, you render it to them. I'm not God. You're the one deliverer. You're the one judge. In this, again, this psalm, he's really pointing to the character of our God. You're the judge. You give this to them. Why? Because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. Why? They deny God, the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They're ones that aren't going to go with that. When we studied that uh, with Pastor David, he gave that reminder. If you can't take that verse, you ain't going to take the rest of it. And they're stuck right there, and they're not taking it. God can't build one up. As we see, he says, he shall destroy them and not build them up. That's not saying God's wanting to crush them. God can't build up one who is rejecting and not willing to surrender free will. He can't build that up. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. There's a portion here where this we, we see this same idea from Paul. Because basically he's saying these wickedness, this wickedness that we see, they want nothing to do with creation. They deny that he is the God of creation. And we see in Romans 1 verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. How? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We have to realize, you go out and you look up at the sky. That's God. That is the God of creation. That is the God of in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. But there's that reality. Nope, not wanting anything to do with that. And the end of that passage, verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And that's an important thing to think about in our culture today. And why I really believe, church, body of believers, be bold to speak the truth. And not a boldness on your own, not a boldness on, we have the truth and you don't, you're such a pig, you're disgusting, you're a sinner. No, a boldness that asks for the Holy Spirit to fill you, that you have love and compassion, that you say, look to this beautiful sunset that you just saw. There is a God of creation who loves you and has an order. And let me show you the truth. Let me show you who he is. Because right now what it comes out is if we think about this, seeing that they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the operation of his hands, that's applicable in that time and it's applicable to our culture today that is living with an all-out assault on God's design. We leave his creation and now we're even coming for the fact, oh, no, 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 you don't have to be man or woman, you can be whatever you want. No, there's a God of creation. There's an order to his creation. But they're rejecting And in that rejection, they don't just reject. We saw it in Romans and we see it in culture today. They build up others to come along with them. They know it's wrong, but let's build up others. 
It's the, the joy when you go to a school and it's all about how many different affinity groups can we have so that we can get together in our difference and build each other up in our difference. And that's where I pray, why don't we build each other up in the equalizer, the one deliverer, God, Jesus. Now, our culture today also has that aspect of when we think of that wickedness, when we think of the evil, the goal that we see, be a good person. That's the goal. Be a good person. And when we think about that good person idea, it's very outward. It's the same thing that we see here uh, who speak to their neighbors, who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. That be a good person, you can be a good person in any way, but only God knows your heart. And it's that phrase that you, you hear, former educator, so much now told to kids, fake it till you make it. If you fake it enough, you'll make it. Fake it till you make it. You can't fake it with the Lord. There's no fake it till you make it with him. And since when we read of the wickedness, when we read of not regarding the works of the Lord, the operations of his hands, pray for truth to prevail. And pray particularly for youth. And I, I, I ask us to ponder those questions of why our culture has lost the urgency of the truth. Why have we lost the urgency to share the truth? David knew Judgment's going to be coming at the end. And he is in this point saying, this is what's going to happen. It's coming to them. We know what's going to come. Why aren't we sharing that? We tolerate. We don't want to offend. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. All the while, people are leading lives that lead them to an eternity away from our king. And what would it be like to respond to the cries of our culture by pointing them to our Lord, our rock? Pointing them to him. What would it be like to offer praise unto our king and worship him publicly that they would know Jesus? And that's where David moves in this psalm. Verse 6, he now moves to that public worship. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplications. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplications. David blesses God because of his faithfulness. David had cries and pleas. David takes the reality of his enemies and now he shifts that prayer to just praying and praising. Blessed be the Lord. And why that blessing? Because he heard the voice of my supplications. Now we got to ask ourselves, where did he hear it? Because we don't have within this text, God then spoke to David. We don't see that anywhere in here. We don't see a flash of light came and David knew that God heard him. How do we know and how does David know God heard him? Because he's praying words of faith in this moment. David knows with faith in his heart the character and the faithfulness of God. And because of that, he knows I am heard. I am heard by my king. He knows he is heard. Blessed be the Lord because he's heard the voice of my supplications. In your prayer life, saints, do your prayers reveal words of faith in who he is? When you pray about that woe, when you pray about that trial, when you pray about that hardship, when you pray about that unsaved family member, whatever it may be, do you remind yourself in your prayer, Lord, you hear me. Praise you, Heavenly Father, that you hear my prayer. Praise you, Heavenly Father, that you bend your ear to listen to me. 
In the storm, do you walk away from prayer and devotion ever thinking, I just don't know if he, if, if God really heard me. And sometimes we can say that because we don't feel something or we don't have that experience of, I'm not feeling like, you know, I just didn't feel the tingles or this or that or whatever you want to say. What about resting in the facts that you are a child of God and your heavenly father hears your prayers? That's a fact. You can take that to the bank. He hears your prayers. Heard. Every single Wednesday we gather, we pray. Do you sometimes just remind yourself as we're sitting in that circle praying, the Lord hears our prayers. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is living in his church. He's coming back to claim his own. We sang all that unto him. He heard it. One mediator between God and the man. Man, Christ Jesus. An advocate with the Father, Jesus. When we pray and we don't know what to pray or what to pray, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us offers utterances on our behalf. All of that, saints, is heard by our King. Do you relish in that? Do you pause and ponder the fact that that God, the same God that we were just talking about in the beginning, made the heavens and the earth, the God of creation, hears your prayers. God hears your prayers. That then leads to verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. The Lord, the covenant name, is my strength and my shield. David doesn't say, Or theorize that the Lord is going to give him strength. Or the Lord is going to be a shield for him. He's saying, no, every bit of strength that I have, there's one source of strength. God. There's one shield to protect me. God. My heart trusted in him. And then what happens? I am helped. A heart trusting in God will be helped. We may not always know the way when we are trusting in the Lord. How he's going to do that help. But he's going to do it. He is ever faithful. And because of that, David says, my heart greatly rejoices. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. The heart is rejoicing in his faithfulness and a song of praise comes and he says, with my song, I will praise him. If you think about that idea, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I've brought it up a few times of late. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's Ephesians 6.10, before the armor of God. Is the Lord your strength and your shield? Because that's how we fight this spiritual battle. The Lord's strength, the Lord's shield. One, pointing that finger up, Jesus. One, one God, one way. How is your song of praise unto the Lord? How is your song of praise unto the Lord when we think about who he is, when we think about the fact that no matter what we're going through, if we cry out to him, he hears us. He's going to answer in his perfect way, with his perfect timing. How is your song of praise unto him for that? 
And I challenge you to think of your song of praise not just as something out of your lips. It starts in your heart, that heart surrendered, that heart rejoicing in who he is. Your lips then do it, and it comes out in action that lives out. Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our praise is how we live. Your song of worship unto the Lord is your life. Each day is a different track on your album. What was today's track? What's tomorrow's track going to be? What is your life like as that worship song unto him? As a living sacrifice, letting his word dwell richly in you, that he transforms you, that he renews you, that you run more and more and more for him. David really looks to the one deliverer, only strength, only shield, only trust, only one to praise. And it's an interesting thing in our family devotional, we were looking at Psalm 96 yesterday and Verse 4 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. The Lord's great and he is greatly to be praised. And as we were thinking of that, Christina was like, you know, that's an interesting thing in the context of our culture today where everything about social media is you getting praise. You structure your picture, you structure your life, you structure your everything so that I can get praise. How many likes did I get today? How many of those little thumbs did I get or the hearts? I don't want to get the angry emoji. It's all about your praise. Yet there's actually only one that deserves praise. The Lord. I hate social media. I said it. You can quote me on that. It's about the Lord. It's about our King. And I pray continually, parents, do they really need that phone? Do they really need that phone? I just say it. Do they really need that screen time? Because as we think about pursuing our king, as we think about living for him in light of who he is, don't just go with the flow of culture. We're not called to go with the flow. We're called to go with our king. We're called to walk in the spirit. Our home shouldn't look like the homes of the world. Pray that we're a people surrendered to Christ. Pray that we look at Acts and we seek to be that church. The start of the church where it was just about his word, his spirit, his way. Surrender and seeking him and being in his presence and gathering in one accord. Verse 8. The Lord is their strength and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. David extends now from the personal to those who are God's. That's that's. Speaking, hitting us there. Those who are God's, he's their strength. He's their only saving refuge. Anointed there, Mashiach is pointing to the saving refuge for all, Jesus. The only one. Think of this, brothers and sisters. We talk about the gift of the word tonight. And then you've got to realize, every single one of us that's here, that believes in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've got a secret weapon. Hmm? We've got a secret weapon that we got to not let be so secret anymore. We know the one deliverer. We know the one source of strength. We know the one true shield. We know the only one to trust. We know Jesus. We know salvation. And we know we're heard unto eternal security by Jesus. So why do we keep it to ourselves? Why aren't we 
shouting, repent, tribulation's coming, no Jesus. Because people will think we're crazy. But why aren't we truly, why aren't we real about the truth? Why aren't we real about the truth? And we look at the last verse and this prayer that David has. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. I think that is a result of David's heart processing that reality of knowing intimately the truth of God. Because again, he starts in panic, turmoil, distress at the beginning of this. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock, don't be silent to me. And then now suddenly, the end, nine verses, really quick, if we just read this through, suddenly at the end, save your people. He's not even thinking about himself anymore. How does he get there? Because when you focus on the character and faithfulness of God, when you remind yourself of who he is, your eyes come off of yourself. They focus on him. And you want people to know him. When we read this verse 9, save your people, bless your inheritance, shepherd them also, bear them up forever. He's talking about Israel. May we pray that for Israel today, folks. Knowing the reality, knowing everything in scripture, charge, pray that every day for Israel, for the next week, for the next, ever, forever. Pray it. Then also when we look at that text there, shepherd is meaning to feed, to guide, to govern Guess who's the only one who can do that for you? Jesus. Guess who's the only one who can bear you up forever? Jesus. When we think of John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own as the father knows me. Even so, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. I and my father are one. That's a foreshadowing when we look at what he's saying with the shepherd in that last verse. It's a foreshadowing of the shepherd to come, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the one who, when we look at our text, he has there that saves. God's people need his rescue. The one who will bless. There's only one who has the blessing for salvation and gives us the eternal inheritance sealed through the Holy Spirit, Jesus. The one shepherd who cares and guides for his people that bears them up like a father carrying a little child, his constant and sustaining presence, guess what? Gift of the Holy Spirit. Only one that can do it? Jesus. Psalm 28 is a cry for deliverance with one deliverer. It shows the blessing and joy because he hears us. Every time you pray to the Lord, he hears you. He will deliver as he sees fit. Important to have that caveat because he's sovereign. He knows what's best for us. And the rejoicing of being heard by the one who is our strength, shield, trust, salvation, blessing, eternal inheritance, our shepherd that carries and sustains us is what we see. Psalm 28 shows us how to take distress, fear, worry, panic, chaos, imminent danger, whatever you want to put, look up to God, look to his character, remind yourself of who he is and what he is in our lives. Strength, shield, trust, salvation, blessing, inheritance. And as you do that, you're going to rejoice. As David rejoices. 
And that rejoicing turns to praying that others that are lost can rejoice in who he is. Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart gladly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. The Lord is their strength and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. That's our God. Now, in light of that, with the whole counsel of the word of God, Matthew 24, Jesus gives us a reminder in verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. He's talking of what's going to come with the great tribulation. Think about the worst war that you could think of, the worst plagues, the worst famines, the worst genocides, the worst whatever you want to put. And that makes the great tribulation look like a walk in the park. That's what's coming. Then when we get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Wrath to come, one escape, one deliverer, Jesus. Knowing that, looking at our psalm tonight, I just implore, who do you point to our king? Who do you say, there's wrath coming and there's only one escape? Because people in that time are going to be crying out, there's only one rock, there's only one deliverer. He's my strength, he's my shield. Can I tell you about Jesus? And in some cases, it's letting your life live it. Let your life be that living sacrifice. Strive to do Romans 12, 1 and 2. And as you strive to live that, pray, Lord, bring who you need to me that they would ask. And he is faithful to answer that prayer. And they'll say, how are you so peaceful right now with everything going on in the world? Well, my strength and my shield is Jesus. I know where I'm going. But we can't anymore, church, sit idly with the truth that we have. I really believe in the times that we're in, we really can't. And we can't mince around anymore and think, okay, well, I'll be gentle with it. No. Charge, one, what distress or worry or problem do you have right now that you need to look upwards towards God and recall who he is and turn your worries to worship? Or who do you need to point that you know, a brother or sister that's in worry and they're just dwelling in it? Let's take the worry to worship. Let's look to who our God is. So one, what worry, distress, whatever's going on, you got to look upwards to him. Two, examine your prayer life. Do you have words of faith within your prayer and praise life? Do you know in your heart, truly, I'm heard by my creator? Do you remind yourself he is your strength, he is your shield, he is your shepherd, he is your love, he is your care, he is in control, he is author and finisher? Examine your prayer life. Bring those words of faith into your prayer life. Three, who must you tell of the wrath to come and the only escape that we have? We think about our culture where education systems are allowing pornographic books to be read to children, but we're worried about sharing the gospel. Let's be real. Let's be real, folks. We've got to not be so worried while the moral compass has gone all over and we can talk about everything, but don't, don't, don't offend someone. 
Let me be clear. It's not about going with a heart of wagging your finger. And if you hear what I'm saying in your heart is I want to wag my finger, oh, I know who I'm going to tell about the wrath to come. Please don't. You're not understanding what I'm saying because what I'm talking about comes from this heart. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us. Think of your life before Christ. He was long suffering waiting for you to say, Abba, Father. And in that long suffering, he is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants everyone. But that all should come to repentance. And we're called to be the ministers, the ambassadors of reconciliation. Who must you tell of the wrath to come and the only deliverer? And it is those words. Don't mince it. There's wrath coming. Think of World War II. Think of all these things. It's going to make that look so easy. I don't want you to go through that. And just share and let the Lord guide you in that. Pray for salvation. Share the truth. Pray for salvation. Repeat. Pray for salvation. Share the truth. Pray for salvation. Repeat. And just keep living like that. Keep doing that. And relish in who our God is. Relish in the God that takes our worries and can change them as we worship. Because he's the deliverer. He's the strength. He's the shield. He's the mercy. He's the grace. He's the guidance. He's the faithful one carrying us. His spirit is the one giving us access to all of that. And it is everlasting. When we look at Psalm 28, it should really, I pray, just remind you of how great our God is. How incredible our God is. And that God that is great, that is incredible, that is mighty, that is good, is your strength, your shield, and hears your prayers. He hears your prayers, knows every hair on your head. That's the Lord we share. Let yourself be filled with that goodness and reminder, and then why keep it to yourself? Why not share it with others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word always, Lord. And I thank you just for the way you show through David's prayer and praise, Lord, how our hearts can faithfully run after you. Lord, you don't call us to be perfect, but you call us to be real with you and surrendered, Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you that through prayer we know you hear us even in this moment. You hear these prayers, Lord. And we say Praise you, Father, for that. Praise you for your faithfulness. Praise you for your goodness. Praise you that you are the author and finisher and every work you have begun in our lives, Lord, you will complete it, Heavenly Father, through your spirit that is our strength and our shield. Thank you for who you are. Praise you, Lord, that you hear our prayers for the trip in Tunisia, Lord, and have answered them and will continue to answer them in your perfect way. Praise you that you hear our prayers for Israel. Praise you that you heard every single prayer tonight, Lord. Help us to never take that for granted, Lord. And Father, help us to look to you, our only deliverer, the only deliverer. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit fill us with a boldness to share who you are in love, that others would come to know Jesus. We love you. I pray for travel mercies for everyone tonight, Lord. Thank you for this time. In your precious name.
Jesus. Amen. Have a good night.